But uh, hey, so glad that you're here today. And uh, we had a fun time last night uh, for our 4th of July outreach. We passed out 2,000 glow-in-the-dark necklaces and uh, invited a lot of people to come to our TUI swim, which is this Saturday. So if you're not doing anything from 7 to 9, uh, we're going to have our TUI swim uh, coming up uh, this Saturday. And so feel free to come and and to be a part of that. Uh, A few years ago, I got a phone call from a buddy of mine, and uh, I picked up the phone, and he's like, dude, you've got to come to Walmart. He's like, there is something amazing that's at Walmart. You've got to come. And he paused, and I started thinking to myself, like, everything in the store is half price, you know? Or, uh, you know, maybe they're giving free oil changes, you know, in the oil or in the uh, car department. Or, uh, you know, maybe they're actually, uh, you know, he's going to buy something for me. Like, hey, I found this, I thought. And then he went on and he said, they have Coke per case for $2.99. $2.99 a case. It's the greatest news, Chris. You've got to come down here. Now, I wouldn't have thought too much about it except the fact that uh, that same week, I had three other people stop me and go, did you hear? I mean, there's good news. Coke is $2.99 at Walmart. Now, I love Coke, okay? I probably have one a week. I'm in Celebrate Recovery right now trying to get over, you know, my Coca-Cola addiction. Um, But we wish it was still $2.99, you know, but... Is that really the greatest news? In fact, it's not even the goodest news. Is goodest a word? Well, it is now. Get over it, okay? It's not the goodest or greatest news. But today I want to tell you about what is the goodest or the greatest news. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. Friends, the good news of Jesus is all about people. It all begins and ends with people. That's why yesterday when we were passing out the -the glow-in-the-dark necklaces, it wasn't so that everyone could have something light up around their neck. It was about people wanting to reach out and love on people. And the cool thing is, is that God has a strategic plan to get the good news out. You know what his strategic plan is? You! You! You're the plan. If your friend, if your neighbor, if your co-worker is going to come to Christ, it won't be because of Joel Olstein or TBN or Billy Graham crusade, it's going to be because of you. And that's what I want to talk about today, about how do we tell, how do we share the good news of Christ with other people? Now, think about it. When you first came to Christ, for those of you that are believers, and if you're not, this is a safe place to be to kind of investigate this whole Christian thing. But for those of you who have called on Christ as Lord, can you remember a person who maybe impacted your life, who helped 
you've crossed that line of faith? I guarantee it was a person. It wasn't some person way out there, but it was someone close that invested in your life. Because God uses people to bring people to Him. So today we want to talk about how did Jesus tell this good news and how can we learn to tell that good news like Him? When Jesus first started His public ministry, scholars tell us that He was probably about 30 years old, about my age. That's not that funny. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, as he began his public ministry, this is what he said. It'll come up on the side screen. Jesus said, he has appointed me, he, God the Father, God, my Father, has appointed me to preach, what's it say? What is it? Good news. It's not bad news. It's not okay news. It's not all right news. It is good news. You know, I've noticed something that... A lot of people don't have a problem telling good news. I mean, Coke, $2.99 a case, bunch, get there. Gas is the cheapest at this particular gas station. I have a buddy of mine that we play golf with, and he'll always tell me, dude, if you want cheap gas, you got to go to Newcastle. You go to Newcastle, it's cheap, you know? And they'll tell you good news about anything. But when it comes to telling, like, the goodest news... When it comes to talking about that, we get scared, we get intimidated, we're afraid, we're unsure how to tell it. Now the term that is used theologically for sharing this good news that we talk about is called evangelism. Evangelism equals telling or sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to other people. Um, What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of evangelism? Turn to the person beside you. You've got 10 seconds. First thing that comes to your mind when you think of evangelism. Go. Okay. Well, I bet you have many responses which are good. Um, This is what I think your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers think about evangelism when they hear that word or they hear about church or they hear about Jesus. The first thing I think they have is a picture of this bullhorn guy. (laughs) Bullhorn guy is in the downtown of cities all the time and he's screaming as loud as he can with a bullhorn that doesn't even, you know, sound very good. And he's like, turn or burn. Good news, man. I'm all in. Second image I think sometimes people have is sweaty, pulpit, pounding, Billy Bob the preacher. Sweat starts pouring off. Everything's there. And it's all about hell and fire and damnation. And then you find him at Kentucky Fried Chicken later on, and he's fine. Like he's not upset about anything. He just told you you're going to hell, damnation, all that kind of stuff. But he's fine. That's 
That's why I think coworkers and friends, non-Christians, people far from God, I think that's what they think. Here's a third picture. You ever hear that knock before, and then all of a sudden you're like, turn off the TV, nobody move. You know, and the kids are like, why, why are you talking about that? Shut up! You know, you're just like, what's outside the door? Christians. Most of the time, when we hear this word in our culture, folks, we have a negative thought. And people in our culture, they definitely, that's the thing that they think about. But today, I want you to see that the word can be seen in a new way. It could actually maybe be seen in a way that was joy-filled, that was engaging, that actually was able to maybe serve somebody else. Now, our big idea for this morning is this. God is counting on you to share the good news. He's not counting on preacher Chris here. He's not counting on Celebrate Recovery. He's not counting on someone on television. He is counting on you. Like I said, many of your friends, many of your coworkers, many of your neighbors, if they come to Christ, the reason it will or will not happen is because of you. Now, I'm sure some of you are thinking right now, seriously, I gave up my July 4th weekend for this. So basically, this is what you're telling me, Bunch. The culture has a negative understanding of this good news that you're telling us we should share. And that God is counting on me to share it. Yep. That's what I'm saying. And it doesn't have to be intimidating. It doesn't have to be negative. And I want to help us to understand that a little bit today. In fact, Jesus actually put it this way. He said this. Let's read it out loud together. Let your light shine before others. He said that the good news was so good, he compared it to a light to let your light shine. Now, why do we have flashlights? When you're in the dark, you want to see. So that's what you do. You turn it on. So if there's somewhere dark, maybe way back there in the corner or wherever, you turn it on. This is what is true, folks. This is the truth. You have some friends and neighbors and co-workers that they're in a very dark period of their life right now. And they are just waiting for somebody to actually care for them enough, to love them enough, that someone would actually turn on a light, to shine a light, to love enough that they would shine their light into another person's darkness. Some of you right now are thinking when I talk about this, you're like, not me. (laughs) Not me. I'm an introvert. Okay? I like to be in my room, read my book. That's for you extroverts. All the extroverts should be doing the good news talking, not me. You're wrong. Some of you are like, well, I'm not a good communicator. 
I mean, I'd get all tongue-tied if I started talking to them. I'd probably get them further away from God. They'd probably get closer to hell if I opened my mouth, you know. (laughs) Folks, God has wired each and every person in this gymnasium today with a particular set of gifts and a particular evangelism style to reach people that other people will not be able to reach. Now, let me ask you this. If you could find out and discover what your evangelism style was, and it wasn't intimidating, and we gave you tools to actually understand exactly how to use the gift, and you were able to practice in some safe places, how many of you would take the risk, maybe, to actually do that? Wasn't intimidating? Wasn't overwhelming? How many might take the risk? Yeah, some of the introverts are kind of like, maybe... Okay, well, this morning, guess what? You're going to learn your evangelism style. So if you raise your hand, we know who you are. And if you don't use your style, in the words of Bullhorn Guy, you might go to hell. I don't know. You might not, but you might, you know. Just joking. Don't send me any emails this week, okay? So in your program, if you do not have a program, raise your hand and Jim will get one to you. But if you don't have a program, you're going to just sit there for 10 minutes and you'll be bored to death. So if you don't have a program, just raise your hand. We'll get that to you. Um, But pull out of your program right now this particular uh, evangelistic style questionnaire. And I thought since it's the fourth, we'll have fun. And what we're basically going to do is... We're going to uh, do a survey or a questionnaire that you can do, 36 questions. And if it really um, describes who you are, then you write down a five at that statement. If it doesn't describe you at all, then you put a one. Okay? And what you'll do is you'll put a number down for each one of these statements. And then on the back, there's a little grid that you can find out which evangelism style you have, okay? So if you'd like to do surveys, man, this is your thing. If you don't like to do them, do it anyways, okay? And you'll learn what your style is. So we're going to play some music, give you plenty of time to do this. And uh, any questions before I jump in? Any questions? Okay, let's go for it.
Okay, you can keep on. Some of you are like, man, those are a lot of numbers to add. Remember? Uh, <clears throat> but uh, if you can go ahead and just keep on working on that. Um, the one thing I would like you to do on the uh, fifth one over at the bottom of your grid says direct, intellectual, testimonial, interpersonal. The next one actually should be invitational. Uh, we had a misprint there that said interpersonal twice. So that fifth one over, if you can just cross it out and put on the top invitational, um, that would be great. So what I'm going to do just real uh, briefly is go through each of these and then give you one practical example that you could actually do this next week, okay? So if you're still filling out, feel free to go ahead. Um, but the first one that we're going to look at is the uh, direct approach, okay? So this is the style. That's the direct style. How many of you had that as your dominant, just raise your hand, had that as your dominant approach? Okay, several of us, good. Okay, uh, the biblical character that also had this evangelism style was a guy by the name of Peter. Peter did not mind sharing his opinion when it came to things of faith. In fact, he didn't even mind telling Jesus uh, what he thought about things. So he was always uh, very direct. Uh, in fact, you remember the story, uh, Jesus one day is... Uh, has gone away and left the disciples. They go out on the boat and a storm comes up and Jesus comes walking on the water. And who was the disciple that said, hey, I'll do it? Peter, because he was direct. And after Jesus died and rose again, the disciples and everyone was hiding in rooms. They were scared for their life, what would happen. And Peter in Acts 2 he actually stands up and he's like, hey, Jesus told us we were going to be all right. But all of you that don't know him, you need to do two things. You need to repent and be baptized. And on that day, 3,000 people came to faith. So all of you who raised your hand, we're expecting next week some of you to teach. And we'll be at Emmons the week after that, you know, because we'll, we'll have so many people. But a person who has this kind of style, they're confident and they're assertive and they're a straight shooter. They just shoot it straight. They're not afraid to be very direct when it comes to spiritual matters. Now, this is not my dominant style, but I've found that there are different circumstances that this style really is the one that should be used. For instance, when I visit people in the jail, um, they need to know that God loves them, but even more so, they need to know, don't do what got you in here. So you have to be very direct on what will change their life. The thing that will change you from coming back in here again is if you turn to Christ. And so that's one time that I use it. When people are on their deathbed and they don't know Christ, you don't sit there going, well, let me just share my testimony with you. Let's, let me serve you. No, like time is ticking, you need to be direct. Now, if this is your dominant style, this is the practical thing that I would encourage you to do. Uh, there's a book called Contagious Christian on how to become a contagious Christian. And in that book, it, it develops all the styles or it talks about all of them. But the one that deals with uh, the direct style 
is in there. And it will help you to go, okay, now that I have this style, how could I actually maybe use it, um, not abrasively, but in ways that will help people grow closer to Christ. Okay, contagious Christian. Uh, the next style that we're going to look at is the intellectual style. Okay? It's the intellectual style. How many of you had this as your number one style? Okay? Raise your hand. All you intellects, be proud. All right? Okay. Now, the biblical character for this was a guy by the name of Paul. Paul, for his entire life, was trained in Jewish law and Jewish thought. So he was extremely intelligent. He knew everything about the Jewish law. He even helped to try to crucify and kill some Christians. But he met Jesus on a road one day. And after he met him, his life turned around and he continued to have a huge impact. He wrote over half of the New Testament. And he had a huge impact on people. Uh, the, the scripture that you can look at is Acts 17. One day, Paul is with all of these Greek philosophers. And there are these statues with different Greek gods. And they all have a name uh, for each one of them. The sun god, uh, on and on and on, all the way through. And they get to one of them, and it says, it is the unknown god. And Paul's like, well, let me tell you about who that is. And intellectually then, he used all of his knowledge to say, I'll tell you who this god is. People with this style are inquisitive, they're analytical, they often are uh, searching for new ideas, they're open to a good debate, they're question askers, so they'll ask things like, well, what do you think about this? Or why? A lot of why questions. If you're a person that doesn't like anyone to ever ask you questions, these people will drive you nuts because they'll just keep asking question after question. Now, if you have this style... What I would encourage you to do is to read this book. It's called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. It is an intellectual um, kind of uh, theological understanding of the Christian faith. Now, again, this is not my number one style, but I have a guy that I'm reaching out to right now who is extremely intelligent. And we've been building a friendship for about 18 months. And the last time we had breakfast together, I brought this book and I said, next time we meet, you read one chapter and I'll read one chapter. Now, I've already read the entire book, so that gives me a little bit of a head start. But I'll read it and then we'll talk about the things that are in that. So that's the intellectual style. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, the testimonial style. Testimonial style. How many of you had this as your number one style? Okay. Several of you. Good, good. Now, people with this style, the biblical character that you're connected to is the story of the blind man in John chapter 9. One day, it doesn't mean you're blind, okay? It just means that's who your story's after. One day, Jesus sees this blind man. Jesus comes up and he heals him. And he no longer is blind, but he can see. Immediately, all these religious uh, folks get hostile and they're like well who did this and what was his name and how did he do it and where was it going they're going on and on and on and on and he doesn't use the direct style he doesn't use the intellectual style this is all he says i don't know who the man is this is what i know i once was blind but now i can see they're like that's not the answer we want but because he said that 
There was a group of people around that were like, I want to know him. I want to know this Jesus who made you to be able to see. Now, we all have a story to tell. So you need to know your story. You can't say, well, that's not my style. I'm good. No, no, no. You need to know your story of what Christ has done in your life. But these people particularly have an ability of being able to tell their story in a great way. They're clear communicators, they're great storytellers, and they're good listeners. Now, a practical example, if you have this, is this. To write your story or your testimony in a hundred words or less. And this is why. Because many people who have this style, they're talkers. They talk, 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 talk. And the problem is, if you have this, sometimes you can talk so much that the person's like, okay, I can tell, like, God's done a lot of cool things, but could you give me the abridged version, you know? Give me the crib notes. So force yourself to get it down to 100 words and then actually share it with someone who might be a Christ follower. So that's the testimonial style. The next one is the interpersonal style. How many of you had this as your number one? Okay. Several people. Okay, the biblical character for this is a guy by the name of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. In other words, he was an IRS man who was taking taxes, but he actually took more taxes than what was needed. And people hated tax collectors. And one day he's at his tax collecting booth taking taxes, and Jesus comes up. And he starts connecting with him. And Matthew's like, I need to like give up everything on this tax collecting thing. And I need to follow him. And he starts following Jesus. But then in the back of his mind, he's like, I've got all of these buddies of mine who are tax collectors too. And they need to know Jesus. But I know if I just told them about Jesus, they'd be like, oh, that's not enough. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw a party. I'm going to get a whole bunch of my tax collecting far from God cheaters. And then I'm going to ask Jesus if he could get some of his disciples. And we'll get them both together in a room. And they'll rub arms together. And maybe, just maybe, some of my tax collecting buddies will actually grow closer to Christ by being in this connection. Now people who have this characteristic um, are have a warm personality, they're very conversational, and they're friendship-oriented. Now, all of us need to build friends with people who are far from God, but these people just have a knack of being able to do that, having multiple friendships all at once, and they can have multiple friends helping each of them kind of walk closer into a relationship with God. Now, a practical example, if you have this, is to throw a Matthew party. I bet you, whoever you are, you know a lot of people who are far from God because you're friendly, you're outgoing, you're interpersonal. So if you could get some of those people who are far from God and then you get some emotionally intelligent Christ followers, maybe some people here from the jar that could be there. If they're not emotionally intelligent, if they're going to stand there like this the whole time and just go, glad you're here. Or if they're going to be like direct and be like, hey, who are you? Uh, My name's Fred. Hey, Fred, you go to church? Well, you should go to church. That isn't going to help, okay? But you get emotionally intelligent people 
together, and we've thrown tons of these parties, my wife and I, over the past 10 years, because this is her number one style. And we do it, and it's amazing to me. I remember in the very early days, we had all these people who were very far from God, and they came to our house, and half of them were all smokers. And my wife was like, well, we're going to make some ashtrays. So she got some uh, actual uh, sand, put it in these little pots. We didn't have ashtrays. And then everyone could smoke. Everyone else could, you know. But if we had some people there that were like, oh, they're smoking. Oh, they are smoking. That's why, honestly, I want to be the church of smokers, okay? So if you talk to anyone who's a smoker, I want them to come because we love all smokers, okay? So Matthew party, that's what we want to do. Next thing uh, is the invitational style. Now this comes from the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. This is the story. One day, Jesus is walking down a road and he sees a well. There's a woman by that well. He walks up to the woman and he starts telling her about uh, her life. He says, you've been married five times and you've been divorced five times and the guy that you're with right now is not your husband. And she's like, "Woo! how'd you know that? And then after a while, he talks a little bit more and finally he's like, I'm the real deal. Like, You know, for 700 years, they've been saying this guy's going to come, who is the Messiah, who's going to turn everything around. I'm it. She's like, whoa. She's like, I want to follow you. He's like, all right. This was her style. She runs into town. She starts telling everybody, this guy knows exactly about me. You got to come and see him. Come on over and see Jesus. And you know what the scripture tells us later on? It says the entire city was brought closer to Christ because of one lady who had an invitational style. Now, this tends to be my dominant style, and uh, it's one of those things that uh, is important to invite. Again, all of us should be inviting people to church, okay? But some people are particularly gifted in knowing how to do that. People with this style are other-centered, they're humble, and they're patient. They see the needs and they find joy. Oh, that, forget all that. Forget that whole thing. They're hospitable. They're relational. They're persuasive. Okay? Flip the wrong page. That's what July 4th will do for you. Um, so they're hospitable. They're relational. They're persuasive. They can help people. When these people invite someone to something, they actually show up. That's like when I, uh, we have uh, cult tickets that we share with another couple and I'll invite people who are very far from God. Now, it might be the Colts, okay? But it might be me, too. But every time I, I I've never had anyone go, nope, not going. Because they want to go. And they hang out. And we have fun. So all of us need to invite people that these people are particularly good at. Here's a practical, practical example if you have this style. Invite friends to church. You're good at it. People come to the things that you invite them to. And this is the statistic, folks, that half of your friends, they're waiting for you to ask them. They're like, there's some dark stuff in my life. I like them so much. Man, if they would just do it, if they would just shine a little bit of light in that dark place. Okay, here's uh, the sixth style, the serving style. How many of you had this as your number one style? Okay, several people. All right, Uh, the biblical character that's connected to this 
is a woman by the name of Tabitha. And you can find her story in Acts chapter 9. She was a person who loved to make things for other people. She would make robes, clothing, other things. She always had a knack for being able to make stuff or do stuff for people, especially the poor. People with this style are generally other-centered, humble, and they're patient. They find great joy in finding out what a person's need is and then actually meeting it. They're often less vocal people, though. They're not going to be real vocal about stuff, but their serving speaks volumes to people who receive it. These people evangelize through their serving. They do selfless acts. They do random acts of kindness for other people all the time. Now, again, this doesn't mean that all of us shouldn't be doing random acts of kindness. You don't go, that's not my style. Good luck, somebody else. No, you do that too. But these people, when they do it, they just have a knack for doing that. Um, I've used this style many times with my neighbors. I'll talk about it in a little bit. But a practical example for this is you take a gift to your neighbor or your coworker. You already know. You've probably already done this before. But maybe you attach a card. Maybe you invite them. Maybe you do something that connects them to God, not just serving for serving sake. Okay, well, those are the six styles. And what I'd like you to do is on your piece of paper, on the very front, across from the survey, I'd like you to just write your name. First and last name. Don't do first name because then we won't have it. But your first and last name. And then I want you to put this underneath your chair and we will pick it up. And this week, I'm going to email to each one of you uh, a particular kind of tool that will help you specifically with whatever your dominant style is. Okay? So just put it under your chair uh, when you're done, and uh, we'll send that to you. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. All of you now know your style. It's one thing to know your style. It's another thing to actually use your style. Folks, God has wired each and every one of you to be light to your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends. And again, the only way they will be reached is because of you. And if they're not reached, it's because of you. But for some of you, you're sitting there and you're like, why should I take a risk on my neighbor? Why should I take a risk on my coworker? Several of them are jerks anyways. Why would I take a risk? Why should I walk across a factory floor? Why should I walk across the street or the cul-de-sac to invest in them? And the answer is simply this. Because Jesus took a risk on you. Why should you do that? Because Jesus took a risk on you. And when Jesus took a risk, folks, he didn't just walk across the floor. He didn't just walk across the street. But he walked across the cosmos. He left heaven, the circle of comfort, where he had been there for eons upon eons. He left that to come to planet Earth to reach out to you and me and the rest of the world. And the Bible says this. He, Jesus, always had the nature of God. But he did not think 
that by force he should try to remain equal with God. Instead of this, of his own free will, he gave up all he had and he took the nature of a servant. He became like a human being and appeared in human likeness. He was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death, his death on the cross. So Jesus, God's one and only Son, He's hanging out in heaven with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. They're filled with community in a circle of comfort. And He receives a call from His Father that says, I want you to leave the comfort zone and I want you to go into the zone of the unknown. I want you to go to planet Earth. And Jesus took the longest human walk in the history of the world. He left heaven and he came to earth. And when he got here, how was he received? There was no room for him at the end. And 33 years later, they put him to a cross and he died upon the cross. He was not received well. And you might say, well, why would somebody do that? Like, why did he do that? And there's a scripture in Romans that tells us why. Let's read it out loud together. But God has shown us how much he loves us. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. Jesus took a risk. And he walked from heaven to earth because of his great amazing love for you. He loved you so much that he's like, I'm willing to take it. Even if they reject me, even if they don't spend time with me, I love them so much, I'll take the walk. And because of that walk, our sins are forgiven, we have a reason for living, and we're promised a home in heaven. And until we see him again, this is what he has said to you and me. Take a risk on your neighbor. Take a risk on your co-worker. Take a risk. Jesus says, what I did, I want you to do. I am counting on you to share the good news. I'm counting on you to walk across the street to your neighbor. I'm counting on you to walk across the office floor or walk across the factory floor or walk across the department store and to reach out to someone, to invite them, to be a part of your life, to invite them to... Have a cookout, maybe, to be a risk taker. Now, for those of you who were here early in June, uh, one of the things that I challenged everybody to do was to think about having a cookout for Jesus. Not necessarily, okay, Jesus, come here and wherever Jesus is, okay, let's cook for him, okay? Not necessarily that. But you're the host and you invite your neighbors. You're going to do something for Christ. And if you remember, I said that in early June, all I want you to do is pray about the name of one person, one neighbor, one coworker that you would invite over to have a cookout at your house. And then I shared with you that I would never ask you to do something that I wouldn't do first. So uh, I said I would do it and I'd come back and I'd report to you. So, that's what I did. Our neighbors, Joe and Julie, have lived beside us for over a year. They have four dogs, or two dogs, and they have four kids. And uh, 
they, he works as a contractor, and uh, we've gotten to know them pretty well. And early on, we used the serving style. So for Christmas, Thanksgiving, any holiday we could think of, we went over and we gave cookies. My two little girls, right before Christmas, they're freezing to death. They're like, Dad, why are we doing this? I'm like, because Jesus loves these people. Oh, great. So they go over, you know, and they, they like give the cookies away, you know. They didn't say that when they were looking at the door. But we just kept doing that. And our kids started playing basketball together. They play soccer together. I, they have three boys, and they're always playing basketball. So I go over, and we play basketball, and I talk trash to them, and, and uh, I beat them a lot. It makes me feel better, you know. I, I sat the bench a lot in high school, so, you know, it makes me feel good. But uh, we talk at the end of our drives. Uh, when I go get the mail, uh, often he's out there, she's out there, we talk about it. We actually uh, got the mail for each other. Uh, they got the mail for us once this month for a week, and we did uh, for them as well. And about a month ago, I knew I had made a commitment to you guys, so I went over, and I, uh, it was on a Sunday. I stopped, and I got out of the car, and I said, hey, just wanted to invite you guys over for a cookout sometime. And uh, we figured out a date, and they're like, Mondays are good. I was like, cool, how about June 22nd? They're like, yeah, that'd be great. Go into the house. We went swimming later that afternoon. I'm driving out. He's out in his driveway. He waves me down. He's like, oh, man. He's like, June 22nd's not going to work. He's like, they have a rainout game for my daughter's softball team, and we can't do that. Now, what I didn't do at that point, because I'm emotionally intelligent, I wasn't 10 years ago. I didn't go like this. Well, when, when's the next day you'd like to do it? I've got three days open right here in July. Which one would you like to pick? I did that to people before, and I mean, it's not a good approach. So I rolled my window up, and I was kind of discouraged a little bit. But then they had to, then they wanted us to get their mail. I'm like, here's another door. So we got their mail for a whole week, and uh, yesterday they came over and they won their mail. And so I had written a, a letter to them a week before that just saying, hey, when you guys get back, just wondered if you'd like to go. And yesterday he's like, oh, yeah. He's like the 13th or the 14th, either one of those. You pick the day. I get home at 7. We'd love to come over and have a cookout. And so that's what we're going to do on July 13th or 14th. We're going to have a cookout with our neighbors. Now, when you take the risk, folks, to do this, I just want you to know you might get rejected. They might say, we're so busy, we can't do anything. But I would just encourage you to stay persistent. Because I know that Joe and Julie one day and their four kids are going to be here. And when they are, I will be so grateful that when I got the first no, I didn't give up. But you know who's even going to be more grateful? They are. And you know who's going to be most grateful of all? God himself. So I want to challenge you to do this, to take the risk. To risk rejection, rejection, to risk maybe having to figure out a different day, but do it. And the reason is, folks, because Jesus left heaven, took the longest human walk in the world because of his love for you. And where he goes, I want to go. And where he wants me to follow, I want to follow. And part of that is walking across the street or across the office floor to reach out to somebody 
And I hope that some of you this month will take that walk and to reach out to you. Let's stand, and uh, we're going to close out with a song about uh, where God goes, we want to go to.